I've started a series called One Another because I believe that we're all called to live together. We don't always live together in harmony. <laughs> we often fall out and we don't get along. But I just believe Jesus wants us to get along. He wants us to teach us to get along. And uh, it's really important that we understand why we need to one another. Because if we don't one another well, we're one another bad. And we're not a good witness to the world. And that's why Jesus wants us really to one another well. So I'm going to touch on it this morning. And you can see I've got some props if you're listening online. I kind of... I needed a boat, um, and I thought, should we build a boat? And then I remembered, Ree and Tim have a blow-up kayak. So on the stage is a blow-up kayak, and uh, for you adventurous type, you're thinking, I want to go. For those who are not, you just want to stay where you are. But um, I want to give an il- this illustration this morning about being in the boat. And this year, we started uh, talking about endeavoring to become a greater church, give God your best. And there's a ship called HMS Endeavor. Uh, Captain Cook sailed, um, discovered Australia on that. And I think the boat is a great illustration for us getting on board with Jesus. Because he wants us in the boat. He wants us in his boat and he wants us to journey with him in the boat. Now, I don't know what boat you think Jesus wants you in. But I kind of think that's quite a cool boat to get in with Jesus. And uh, Jesus wants us to get in the boat. But he doesn't just want us to get in the boat with him. Just me and Jesus, he wants us to get in the boat with other people. And that's when it gets interesting. It's fine with Jesus because I can think, wow, Jesus loves me and my theology about God, who God is to me and that he died for me. But actually, if we just get in the boat, the natural thing when you get in the boat is to stand in the middle. Have you noticed? Was it just me? Maybe you're just a bit psychotic and you just want to fall out the boat. But um, I was, we were fortunate, my daughter Grace, she went to do some... Um, uh, rowing lessons at Trenton. She got one of these taster sessions. And the, all these you know, really good rowing girls and boys were there. And they were really slim. The boats were like this wide. You know? Uh, you know, if you're a size 10 or 12, ladies, not men, ladies, you're not getting in those boats or it's going to be a squeeze, right? The boats were that narrow. And they went to get in the boat and they, and they were so narrow, so light, they could just pick them up. They were, they were probably about 30 foot long and they picked them up with one hand and walked and put them gently on the water. And as they were getting in, they were just being really careful to get in the center of the boat, otherwise it would tip out. And one of the girls did tip out. <laughs> it was quite funny. She was hanging on the side shouting, Ah! And one leg was in the water, and she managed. Someone came over and grabbed her up, and she got seaweed all over. Seaweed's not even the sea. She got this grass stuff all over her arm, and they pulled her out. But the natural thing for you to do when you get in the boat is to get into the center, have it all together, or be independent. It's about me. So you get naturally in the middle of the boat, right? Because you think you're going to tip over. But here's the deal Jesus' method isn't to get you in the middle of the boat. Jesus wants you on the side of the boat. And the reason he wants you on the side of the boat is because he wants to create balance through using other people. Because if it's all just about me loving God and there's no outworking in my life, then we're not actually bringing the kingdom of God in. It's just about me and Jesus and that isn't bringing balance to your life. It's about loving God, as he said, and loving God. People, but our natural instinct is to have it all together. Me and my boat. I'm. Uh, are you impressed? I'm not natural. Can you tell? So, listen online. I'm in the boat. Let me sit down. 
my natural, in, I fit well, don't I? 32 waist. I sit, I fit really well. You know, I know I need to be 30. Actually, I'm 34 now. I need to go back down. Right, so the natural instinct is to get in the middle of the boat and get it balanced, okay? But I think it's more like this. Can you see that picture up there? It's more like this kind of boat. And Jesus wants us to get in the boat and work together to get where we need to get to. He wants us to work together to get somewhere. It's not about me and Jesus and me being right with God. That's wonderful, but there's more to it than that. And he wants to get you on the edge of the boat, which feels a little bit risky and unbalanced. But here's the deal. When you do that, you'll find out there's other people to bring that balance. Because we can't all do it together on our own, can we? We need others to get there as well. I think that's a great illustration. So let's look at some scriptures that Jesus, um, Jesus speaks to people to leave a message and instruction. Matthew 22 So I'm not just making this up. He says this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this is what holds it together. Okay? Without loving your neighbor, without loving somebody else, it actually is just words and it's not manifesting uh, God's kingdom in your life. So we need to love people like we love ourselves. Are you still with me? Without that, it's not working. It's unbalanced just to say you love God. Your fruit is how you love people. That's the fruit of you loving God is how you love people. Okay? That's proving that God's working in your life and you love and care for people. And not just for yourself. Our natural thing is to get in the boat and look after ourselves. Get in the middle, get it all together, get my life sorted, get the family, get the kids, did it, and I'm doing well. And I'm, it's called self centeredness. Sorry, I'm going to say that this morning. Okay, are you with me? Now, you've got to look after yourself, you've got to take care of you, you've got to, you know, make sure you look good and healthy and get the job and all that. That's brilliant, but there's more than that. That's like the minimum you need to do is to take care of you. You need to be a bigger person than that. And anybody who's had children realize how self-centered we are. Because it draws that out of you. And you realize, wow, I've just been looking after myself. And I'm still doing that at times and realizing I do. When I make a cup of tea, I make a cup of tea for myself. And I've realized after, you know, having the staff that I make a cup of tea for myself. And I walk back in the office and go, and they look at me. I'm like, what's up? Nice cup of tea. Yeah, it's nice. I don't even realize I'm looking after myself. But we're not here just to look after ourselves, which is great. Have a cup of tea. Enjoy it. We're here to be expansive and more than that. We're here to sit on the edge so others can sit on the edge rather than us just taking up all our space. We need to make some room in this journey. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when kayaks come out, play on them as well. No, it doesn't say that. Okay? And teaching them. Here we go. This is how we learn to one another. This is how we learn to get along. Jesus said, this is the journey. You're going to get in the boat with me, and you're going to go make disciples. But the way you make disciples is listening to my teaching and applying it in your life. Okay? So we've got to listen to the master, listen to the one who is the boat and is driving the boat, and align ourselves up with that so we can learn to one another together. 
He says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always. So, God needs to give us instructions on how to live. Okay? In the Old Testament, they came out of Egypt. They'd been so conditioned with idolatry. So they'd had, you know, things to worship, idols to worship. They worshiped the king, Pharaoh, but they also had other gods and they worshiped them. The, the, the God of Son. They worshiped these gods and they made statues. So when they came out of that, they didn't know who to worship. And so they, they, they said to Moses, we don't know who to worship, what do we want? And they constantly went back to, we need to see something that we worship. And they created, um, they created idols out of metal so they could, and God says, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to just worship me, and this is how I want you to outwork it. I want you to love me, and I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And that was basically the instruction that was given to the Israelites. The problem was, this is what they did. I'm just weak. Come on, can we encourage me? See, what a bit of encouragement does. Okay, so if you listen online, I've now got one or rather than, no, I had one or before. I've, I've split the or in half, okay? This is what the Israelites did, okay? They literally paddled on one side and they went round and round in circles. You see what I'm saying? They just looked after themselves paddling and doing their thing. They moaned and complained because they didn't get what they wanted. And God's saying, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. Self-centeredness doesn't work. I need a change of heart. I need a change of attitude. You're not just here for you. You're not just here to, you know, create worship, worship for yourself. You're here to love people. And God takes them through a whole journey and none of them changed. None of them changed. And they went around for 40 years going round and round and round and round and round. 40 years of being in a wilderness. Do you want to go around for 40 years? I know I don't. So the way we go around in circles is to focus on ourselves. The way we get where we want to get to is following the instructions of God. Jesus Christ giving instructions on how to behave with one another. So we've got to put away self-centeredness and come to God who is love. Love is not self-seeking. Doesn't envy, doesn't boast. That's love. Now God is love. And if we love God, it says in John that we will obey his teachings. If I don't love God, I won't obey his teachings. If I love God, I'll consider my neighbor as well as myself. I won't just row my own oar. I'll actually consider the other person who's with me on this and encourage them to row their oar as well. Are you with me? So us on our own isn't going to work. But us together, submitting to God in his authority, in his teachings, we're going to get somewhere. The church is going to move forward, moving from just self-centeredness to caring for one another in a community and caring in the world. Let's read what Jesus prays for his disciples in John 17. I find this amazing what Jesus asks God for. He can ask him for anything, but he asks him for this. My prayer is not for them alone. So it's not just about them. Jesus is expansive. He's not just, just look after my disciples, the ones I've loved. No, I'm thinking bigger than this, God. 
There's far more that need to be in this boat that are in the sea and going down. We need to get them in the boat. So just, this is Jesus. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Church, we've got a message. The disciples, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a message that we need to take from this place that people believe in. That all of them may be one. Remember that, one. He wants them to be one. He doesn't want them to be fighting. He doesn't want them to be divisive. He wants them to be together. He wants them to be one. Just as you, Father, just as you are in me and I in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to the complete unity. Church, the reason Jesus is praying this, because he wants us to be united on the mission. He doesn't want us to be falling out on our own mission. He wants us to be united on a mission, together going forward. And he prays this prayer. Then the world, are you ready? Then the world will know that you, Father, sent me. They will see in the people when they love one another and how they treat one another that something is different than what's in the world. This is what the world's looking for. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You see, Jesus prays for unity. And there are three kind of things as a church we can be unified over. The first one is what we believe. Your doctrine. So do we believe the same things? Because if we don't believe the same things, we're not going to go forward. Do you believe that God sent his one and only son? Do you believe that? Right, so we can go together. Do we believe in one God? Absolutely. Do we believe in the resurrection? Do we believe in the crucifixion? We've been singing the songs this morning. We believe in God the Father. We're singing these songs because we remind ourselves this is what we believe. So we can unite together on that, can we? So I'm not going to hit that too much. I might drop things in throughout, but I'm not going to talk too much about doctrine, what you believe. If you don't believe those things, you can take a step, go on Alpha. What do I believe? Because if we can't agree on that and unite, then you're not going to come forward on the boat because you're not sure about getting in the boat yet. Do you believe? Do you believe Jesus died for you? Do, you? do you believe he died for all your sins, for the whole of the world? Do you believe that? If you're not sure, go on Alpha. If you've been on Alpha, you've got more questions, you want to dig a bit deeper, go on New Believers. Do you believe in prayer? Do you believe God answers? All of these questions that you've got, you've got to seek after them and try and find them. And God will answer, answer these questions that you've got. But what do you believe is the first thing we can agree on. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4. Paul understood that to unite the church, we had to believe the same thing. But then, the second thing we have to do is we have to learn relationally agree to go forward. We have to learn not to fight, but to love as we go forward. So if we can't agree on that and learn to get along in this boat, is going to be an interesting journey. Because we're going to be hitting each other with paddles. We're going to be, and I know, I know the ones who would, you'd be sitting at the back splashing water on them. Wouldn't you? You would. You'd be sitting here just flicking it. And it'd be like, stop flicking the water. I'm not flicking the water. It's me paddles going round. And then you'd be whacking the water. Come on, there's a bit of mischievous running each of us, isn't there? Is it just me? 
But we've got to go along. So Paul, in, the, in Ephesians, writes this. Verses 1 to 6. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you. Come on, church. You are urged to do this. To live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, have you been called by God? Is it a call on your life? I believe he's called many. He's called many. That's like not just a few. He's called us all to come to him. He's invited everybody into the boat. I know that looks a big boat, but Jesus' boat isn't that big. Jesus' boat is way bigger than that, okay? I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be humble, completely humble, and gentle. So this is how behaving, how to be with one another. Be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in kayaks, bearing with one another in love. We bear with one another in love. Then he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is, is a doctrine. One body. There's not, there's not more bodies. There's one body. There's one church. There's no, no other answer. There are many you know, expressions of what the body is like, but there is one church. We're in this together. We shouldn't be fighting. We should be together. One body, one spirit. There's not many Holy Spirits, there's one Holy Spirit, and he fills all in all. One Spirit, just as you were called to be one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There is one God, and we can unite on that, can we? So we've got something we can agree on. We might not agree on the music. We might not agree on me jumping up and down and you standing and you putting your arms on that. But come on, they are minor things. If we're falling out over them, we're focusing on minor things. These are the big things, what we believe. This is what we focus on, Jesus. Jesus is the one who unites us. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, we'll be united. If you take, and that's not Manchester. We keep your eyes on Jesus, right? We will stay united. If we take our eyes off Jesus and start looking at each other and comparing in the boat, we start having problems. But we can first agree, one. One God. One church. We're all equal in his eyes. There's no one better than anybody else. Different gift, different talent, but we're not here to be better than anybody else. We're all, in the eyes of Jesus, we're all broken, we're all a mess, and we come as we are. Amen? So can we agree on that? That's good, isn't it? We've got a chance of going together then. I really liked what it says in this because he says, in love. And the first thing we've got to do if we go, go forward is to learn to be at one. We've got to learn to be at one. And when I say at one, we can be at one relationally and be at peace. But we first got to understand what we believe and actually realize, are you at one with God? Are you unified through the blood of Jesus? Are your sins washed? And are you at peace with God? Because if you're not at peace with God, we're going to have some big fights you try and get in this boat. Because you're going to come in and think, well, I'll do this and I can do that. No, no, no. We're at one with God first. And then we can be at one with one another. If we're not at one, if we're still wrestling and fighting and rebelling and angry and hurting, then we're not going to be at one with God. Then we're not going to be at one with each other. But as we come to God with all of our mess and all of our imperfections, God offers something amazing. 
He offers us to love us even when we were sinners. He offers to pour out his love and forgiveness over our sin. He transfers our mess into something marvelous. It's called righteousness. And I am now right with God. Not because of me, but because of my faith in God and what he did on the cross. Now I become one with God. How amazing is that? So when I get in the boat, I'm now in love. How amazing is that? Has anybody ever been in love? It's all exciting, isn't it? Yeah. I fell in love with Stoke City in 19. No, I'm not kidding. I've been the love of my life ever since. We won yesterday. But you know, you're in love. It's the number one. Not because we first loved, but God first loved us. And he sent a message to you through his son to show you how much he loved you. His name is Jesus Christ, means salvation. Not only for now, but for eternity, his righteousness is never ending. This is the HMS eternity. HMS righteousness, and I'm on board. Woo! And I'm in love, baby. You're not trying to find love, you're in love. So many people trying to find love in the world. No, you're already in love. Say this morning, I'm already in love. And if you're not in love, go back to what you believe and do you accept it that Jesus died for you? Accept the truth and allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and bring that revelation alive. Let him breathe new life into those dead bones and he'll revive it and woo, I'm on HMS eternity. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not in me, but in him. He invites me on the boat. I'm not accepted on the boat, but I'm going to get on anyway because he accepts me and I'm not good enough, but I'm going to get on this boat as I am and Jesus begins to revive you and refresh you. And says, look how you fit into my plan now. Look where we're going with the church. And, and initially you probably feel like you're not worthy and you're not good enough. But you have to go on a journey on this boat. And let people love you on this boat. And accept you on this boat. And begin to sit at the back of the boat if that's where you need to sit. Some of us want to get on the front of the boat. I'm going to save the world for Jesus. And we cause more damage along the way when we... Because we're on the front of the boat and we're excited. He said, I just need to take you on this journey to teach you to be at one first. I need you to teach you to be in my love first. You, you, you can't earn my love. You just need to accept it. You know, and the, the Apostle Paul who writes all this, he was a guy who was on a mission. Before he came to Christ, he was single-handedly trying to destroy every Christian because of what he believed. His doctrine, what he believed, these people were fighting against the Jews and their history, and he didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. So he gets on his own boat, and he's after Christians. I'm going to murder them. I'm going to kill them. And he's saying all things about them, and he's, he's just looking for Christians to kill. This is the guy who writes this about being in peace and in love. And then eventually, he begins... He goes on a journey, he's on a road, and as we know it, Jesus turns up personally to him. Whew, I wouldn't like that one. You know, he turns up and appears to him, and it says Paul's eyes are blinded, and he sends him to a house, and he goes to a house, and he repents of what he's been doing. He repents of his being on this independent boat, and Jesus says, get in my boat now, we're going to turn you around. And why do I tell you that? It took many years for Paul to be removed from that environment and to be reconditioned again and to be accepted into the church and under the authority of the church. It took many years to Paul to be accepted into that and be retrained again before he got off on a mission. It took a long time for him to understand that he was at one with God and he'd forgiven him for murdering people. And he had to, he had to filter that and be washed and his mind be transformed so he knew who he was in love. 
And we're on a journey to find who we are in love. But I want to encourage you, don't get off the boat, stay in love. Keep going to Jesus and allow him to keep us together in love. Are you in love this morning? Maybe you've lost your love. Maybe you've lost your passion and your zeal, but I believe you can get it back. You may have just directed it in other avenues. You may have just directed it into something we don't need to go into detail about, but come on, move that passion back over. Move that passion back over to loving people. Move that passion back over to loving the church. Come on, you spoke wrong about the church too many times. Get back on, and we're going to look at the instructions Jesus gives us. But we've first got to be at one. If we're not at one with God, we won't be at one with one another. I'm going to read a quote that, if you've ever been to the church in Bradford, Life Church, it's a quote that's on the wall. I don't know who it's by, but I read it this week, and I really like it. And Kate says this. I think it's coming up on the screen. If there be righteousness in the heart. So if you're right with God and righteousness is in the heart. Not because of what we achieve but because of what he's done and offers righteousness. If there be righteousness in the heart, there will be beauty in the character. Don't you just love that? If we're at peace at one, if righteousness is in here, then we'll, be, we'll see beauty. And then it says, if there be beauty in the character, there'll be harmony in the home. There'll be harmony in the boats. There'll be harmony in the church. There'll be something that we're not fighting anymore, but there's peace because there's righteousness. Righteousness that's offered as a gift to all of us, and therefore we're at peace with God. Therefore we live in harmony with God. We're not fighting with God. We're not fighting with ourselves. We're not fighting with one another. We put that aside, and we get in peace with God and harmony. Woo, why is this boat feeling so good? Because I'm at home with God. Home with God. You're still fighting with yourself. You're still beating yourself up. We all do it because we're, we're still on a journey of walking in what's called God's spirit and God's promises and obeying his word rather than our flesh and our emotions. If there be beauty in the character, there will be harmony in the home. If there be harmony in the home, there will be order in the nation. You know, a sign that there's God in the home is there's order. If it's out of order and there's fighting and there's problems, it's usually because Jesus is not the head of the home. There's no order. And if there be order in the nation, there will be peace in the world. This is what Jesus is praying. He's praying earlier about peace. He's praying about unity. Will they just get it, God, that they are in you and I am in, I am in you and you are in them and we're all in one another and we're all in the boat and we're all in love and we're all accepting. Will they just get it that they'll be at one and that they're loved and my righteousness, my glory has been poured out for them and it's available for them and they can bask in it and they can be at one and they're not disordered anymore, but all the order has come back in line with God. How awesome is that? But if we're not at one, we're not going to be at one with one another. God makes us at one with him. It's righteousness through Jesus Christ. You believe in Jesus, you receive his righteousness. I am in love. So, is anybody in love this morning? Woo! I'm in love with a, a God who sent his son, died on the cross, took all my shame, took all my mess. And he still removes it now when I come to him again and repent and say sorry. He does it again and again and again and again when I mess up. Learning to be at one. It's interesting the word one another in the Greek is not two words. It's one word. So one another, we say one another. We almost, in English, split it to think it's two things. No, it's one another. And that's what we've got to be with God. We're not separate from God. We are one with God. 
We are in God. We are in love. God is love. Therefore, we are in God. We are in love. We are not striving anymore. We're not trying to find ourselves. We're not lost. We are found in God. It's not two things. Now, it becomes one. You're not separate. You are connected, accepted in God. You still with me? Got nine minutes. So, learning to be at one. If we're going to one another, we've got to first believe the same. We've got to try and get along and do our best so we can move forward in this boat. And we start that by being at one with God. He's the source. He's the giver of life. He's the one who revives the dead. So the next thing we've got to do is actually learn to get along. Now we're at one. We're at peace. We've got to learn to get along. It's not always easy, is it? Because we've all got different views. For example, look at how I am dressed this morning. I'm wearing double denim. What's that for? I'm wearing double denim. Is there anything wrong with double denim? Oh, a few said no. Put your hands up if you don't agree with double denim. Come on, be brave. I'm not going to curse you or, oh, oh, that was a quick one. Oh, oh. You see that one? I spotted it. Oh, she's up now. Fight on. Double denim. You know, colorblind people haven't got a problem with double denim. Have they? I mean, what colors go together? Black and... Who says? Who says? Who makes all this up? Me and you. We do, don't we? I love pink. What are you laughing at, Ben? What's the problem with men wearing pink? I remember a, a pink shirt that I had probably 25 years ago. I went up Hanley. I thought, you were laughing. You remember it. I had a pink shirt. I love my pink shirt. I walked up. These lot were like standing at the other end of the bar. He's got a pink shirt on. Okay, what? Guys wear pink shirts today. They followed, they followed me in my pink work. But what's wrong with men wearing pink shirts? You got a pink t-shirt on? It's cool, isn't it, mate? Pink's in today. Sorry, I picked you out. You know, what? who designs these? Who says, you know, even Sarah's got this thing where she knows what colours go. And you know what? I go shopping with her. I love shopping. I love shopping. I look at Sarah and I, she puts something on. I go, not your colours, babe. What do you mean? Ooh. We're in this boat together, you know. If she's got the wrong colours on, it reflects on me. I gotta make sure she's got them right. She's got brown hair, she's got brown eyes. Certain colours go with certain things, don't they? They do, don't they? Who does that? We do. We do it. And food, certain foods go with certain foods, don't they? Bacon and eggs. I mean, come on. Cheese and bacon. Fish and chips. You know, certain foods go together, don't they? Who says? Who says we do? Because we taste them and experience them. We like them. And we choose what foods go together. Tomato and basil. Soup. They do. They go together. I can't talk too much food because food. Sarah's actually, sorry, she's on a low salt diet. So there's not much she can, it's, it's hard. Don't say salt anymore. But you know, certain foods go together. Who knew this? Chocolate and chili. Yeah. I went round Baz, where's Baz? Baz went round his house a few years back, right? Does me a chocolate and madras curry. Who'd have known? 
I saw it in the shop the other day. Lloyd Grossman does it in a jar. You can buy it. Chocolate and uh, chocolate curry. Who'd have thought it? Although I'm not convinced it actually went, but I won't tell about that. <laughs> Maybe that's just your cookie mate. Nothing to do with going the combination. No, it was not. It, it was different, right? It was different. Let's learn to get along. <laughs> it was different, okay? But who knows? Who makes these things up? We do. We do. We make it up. We compare. We're brilliant at comparing. We look at each other, we compare what's good and what's not good. And then we analyze each other and think and, you know, oh, that doesn't go with that. We're designed as kids. We're designed this way to do it. It's like dark chocolate. I just, anybody like dark chocolate? That like really high percentage stuff. It's like, it tastes like dirt. <laughs> tastes like dirt. I feel like, you know what I mean? Someone's given me a piece of rock. It's just dry. I just don't like dark chocolate. Anybody like mint? Oh, I love mint. Oh, I, I mean, I think mint should be in this boat all the way. I love mint. You know what? But I don't like dark chocolate. But here's the deal. What I've discovered is when I put mint with dark chocolate, I love it. I love it. Who'd have known? Who'd have known? I'm like, and guess what? Who'd put garlic with bread? Who'd have known? Garlic bread. Who'd have known? I couldn't resist that one. Right? Mint with dark chocolate. Boom. It's like, wow, what am I eating? I'm in love with peppermint creams. Oh, I had one for me. I had a pack of three for my birthday. I hit the ceiling. I was like, peppermint cream on my birthday. I had them all in one day. You're laughing at that. I like them. No, I didn't really share them. Well, a little bit of it. <laughs> okay, here's the deal. This is the deal with God, right? We want to be on this boat on our own, and we want it all to go together. God says, I want to put you on the edge of the boat, okay? But I'm going to put you with some other people. And you might not like them people, because they might be like dark chocolate to you. But when I put them together, it's going to work. When I put it together, my church is going to work. And you think, and you compare, and you look, and you get in the boat, and you go, I don't like them because they rub me up the wrong way. And actually, I don't like this boat because the rubber's hurting me. I don't like this journey. And God says, I know you don't, but I'm drawing the best out of you. I'm teaching you to get along. I'm teaching you to grow. I'm teaching you to mature so that the church can be the fullness of what it's designed to be. And we've got to lay down our lives like Christ denied himself and get on this journey of discipleship and letting people rub us up the wrong way and digging deeper and loving them. Because dark chocolate's allowed on the boat and so is mint. And God's not going to take it off the boat because he puts them on the boat. But I tell you what, when they work, woo Woo! He says, look at my church. Look at my church. Look at, the, look at the muck I've put in there and look what I'm doing with it. I can, taste, I can make muck taste amazing. That's what he does. Because we're all muck. We're all sinners. We've all broken. We've all rebelled. We've all an independent attitude about me. But what God says, come to me. I've paid for that at the cross. I paid for your rebellion, I paid for your pain, I paid for your grief, I paid for your hurt. Come to me at the cross. But this is what we do as the church if we're not careful. Oh, I'm a survival knife. Sorry, Tim and Ree. This is what we do as a church. We get in the boat when we don't follow the instructions in Jesus and love each other and care for one another. This is what we do as a church when we start to backstab and say things about each other and put people down. We burst the boat. Oh, it didn't sound as good as I thought it was going to sound. 
I'd built it all up and it didn't pop very loud. But this is what we do. We pop in the boots. We're popping the church. When we tear each other down and beat each other up and moan and complain, we're going round in circles and the church isn't glorifying God. And we're not here to do that. We're here to glorify God. So let's get on board and follow the instructions of Jesus. Let's deny our lives and get on board with what he wants us to do. We're on a journey of discipleship. He wants to make us and mature us and grow us in love. And we've got to put our things to the side and say, actually, it's not just about me anymore. I'm one another in. I'm in covenant and commitment and I'm one another in. I'm on the boat, one another in. I'm on HMS Eternity, righteousness, and one another in. And we're one another in. And we're one another in. And I want another in. Amen? You know, when I met Sarah, you would not have put me and Sarah together. I've got to be honest. We're two completely different types of people, two different backgrounds all together. You know, you would not have put us together. And when we got in this boat together and got married, I started to look at Sarah and think, why won't you behave like this? It was like I'd got my oar and I was at the front of the boat saying, my oar's better than yours. I did. I looked at myself and looked at her and I thought, I want to mold her to be like me because life will be easy then. And all I did is keep looking at her and moaning and complaining and backbiting at her. And it didn't work. It didn't help. And that's what we do when we don't put Jesus first. I'll read some scriptures so you know I'm not just making it up. Matthew, Mark 9 says this. Sorry, Sarah. Salt is good. <laughs> but if it loses its saltiness, I didn't intentionally do this, babe. How can you make it salty again? How many times can you mention salty here? Have salt among yourselves unless you're on a low salt diet. And then if you're getting along... Still, be at peace with each other. Amen? We were two different, completely different people, you know, but here's here's the deal. When we lay our lives down, God draws the goodness out of us. He draws the richness out of us. He gets us to dig deeper, deny our flesh, and dig deeper into him and in love. Let's read another one. Have you got the next one? Accept one another. Stop comparing. Stop thinking they're not allowed on this ship. They're not good. Accept them for who they are. Accept them for their gift. Accept them for their talent. Well, what do they bring in the boat? What do they bring in the boat? Well, they must bring something. Let's go on a journey of finding what they bring to this boat. Come on, you bring something to this boat. Let's accept them for who they are and what they bring. By the way, that doesn't mean we tolerate bad behavior. That doesn't mean we put up with people in the boat who are abusive and aggressive. No, 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 we're not going to behave like that. We can address that behavior and say, we love you, but we're not putting up for this. Paul does it in the New Testament. He actually kicks people out of the church and says, let Satan deal with them. We're not going to do that today. (laughs) We're not going to do that. Sarah might kick me out of the house after that salt quote, but there you go. Accept one another and just as Christ accepted you. You're accepted, you're in one, in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. I'm walking around with a paddle. Let's read another one. I like this one from Galatians. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen to be in the boat to one another, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads. Oh, I like this idea. Or a sentiment in our hearts. But work it out, its implications in every detail of our lives. 
There should be some more. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better. Come on. Come on. We've got far more interesting things to do than compare. But we're built in comparing. Chocolate clothes, football teams, it built into our system to compare and see that one's better. As the church, we're not here to do that. We're not here to compare as though one's better or one's worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Come on, keep our eyes on Jesus. You're an original. Stop comparing yourself to the person who's in the front or the leader who's in the front and thinking, I'm not like that, I'm not good enough. Stop it. Stop it. Stop comparing yourself. Stop beating yourself up. God died for you. He died for you. He took them pains. He took them inadequacies. He took that rebellion on the cross for you. He took it. We put him on the cross. My sin, myself, my rebellion, the sin of me put Jesus on the cross. It was my sin that he was taking on the cross. You know, if Jesus, if I was sending Jesus... I don't think I'd have sent him in a boat like this. I'd have sent him in HSM, HMS. I don't know what the names are. Anybody know a, a good boat that's out there? You know these new aircraft carriers and they look the bee's knees and you're thinking you wouldn't mess with one of them. I could, you could build a football stadium. I'd have sent Jesus on one of them. But Jesus didn't come on one of them. He came in a frail body, a human body like mine and yours so he could take it on board. He didn't come in a huge, massive aircraft carrier he came in a frail body like mine and yours I'll say it again he came in something like this that looked like it couldn't do anything but he died on the cross so he could take on the sin of you he took on this he took it on for you he took the pain he took the nail I'm looking a bit aggressive He, he, he took the pain for you he took it for you So that you don't have to compare to others, but discover that you're original in God. He took the pain, he took the the abuse, the stone, he took it all on board for you and me. So we don't have to compare. Jesus died for you. But this is what the Father did. He patched it back up and he blew a new breath into it. Well, he did more than patch it back up. This is what God does with your life when you come to him as a broken mess who's inadequate and not feeling good enough and beating yourself up. God breathes a new breath into your bones. He breathes new life into you so you realize who you are in God. While I'm loved, yet your sin is taken on the cross. You put Jesus on the cross. Come as you are. Repent. Recognize your sin and change of heart and change of attitude. And as you do that, God blows new breath into you so you become revived and brand new again amen that's what he does the father saw him yet he brought him back to life again and that's the life that he offers us so that when we are in this boat we've been brought to life and we're here to breathe new life We're here to build one another up. We're here to encourage the one who's at the front and say, come on, I'm in the boat with you. Keep going, church. Keep going, Sarah. Keep going, Paul. Keep going, Ben. Keep going, guys. Keep it going. We're on the boat. We're journeying together. We're in it together. Keep going. And when the person at the front gets tired, it's time for you pick up the oar and you start doing some work. That's what it's here to do. We're all here to do it together.
And some of you are meant to be at the front, some of you are meant to be at the back. It doesn't matter where we are, they're just different calls on our lives. Nobody's any better than anybody else. We're just called to get in the boat and we're called to work together and we're called to get along together so we can get this church where he wants it to get. And you've got to get on this journey, I'm in it together, I'm one in another. God help me to mature on this journey and become a disciple of you. We believe the same, we've got to learn to get along. In other words, we won't go forward. I'm going to finish with this. Psalm 85. By the way, there's a hundred one another scriptures in the New Testament. Six, about 60 were written by Paul. I think it's a key instruction. Do you? But if it's just in our heads, it won't become real. We have to flesh this out. It has to become one. The word, it says in the Bible, became one. So if, if the word in us, Jesus in us, we're going to become one with God and one with one another, we've got to flesh it out. We have to do exactly what it says. It's called obedience. And when we do it, we get the fruit of what he promises. Amen? But if we don't do it, the church won't become what he's called it to do. It doesn't just happen. So let's read Psalm 85 verse 10. I love this. I love it. Love and faithfulness meet together. Love and faithfulness meet together. If I love Sarah, I will be faithful to her. If we love God, we'll be faithful to his instructions. And what happens is, when we love, we become faithful. We become faithful to God and we become faithful to one another. We become faithful to the church. I am committed to the church. If you love people, you love the church, you become faithful. You turn up, you give, you serve, you be there because you're manifesting, you're fleshing it out. We can't just say, oh yeah, we love each other. But what are you doing to do it so that you can demonstrate your faithfulness to people? Love as an action. Love does, as it says. I want to encourage you. Let's work on our love. You know, God is the most faithful. There is no one as faithful as God. Through centuries, you've seen people destroy themselves, hurt each other, do things that I don't want to say in here to one another. Yet God, in his love, hasn't given up and still doesn't give up even when we cause mess and destruction in this world. God is forever faithful. May he inspire you in love to be faithful. May he inspire you to turn up and to be there and to give and to be active with your love. And then it says this, righteousness and peace kiss each other. Kiss. Intimacy. Together. One. If we do what's right, if we follow Jesus and put his instructions in place, he is the righteous one who knows all things, is above all things. He knows how we should be. If we do what's right and follow the righteous one, we will be at peace with one another. Even when we disagree because somebody likes mint chocolate and doesn't like, even when they're different, it doesn't matter because we put Jesus first and his righteousness and we treat each other right. Therefore, we can be at peace with one another. And the peace of God brings harmony in the house. It brings harmony in the home because of what he did first in our hearts Therefore, we flesh it out and be at peace with one another. This week, when you have things to do, remember this. Do what's right. Even when there's pressure on you to do what's wrong, do what's right. 
live a life that's worthy of the calling. You're following God. You're representing God. You're not just representing yourself anymore. You're the body of Christ representing God. It's body coming to earth, kingdom come. That's who we are. So your choices now matter. They have eternal consequences and they have eternal blessings. Your, your, your choices matter. It's not just, it doesn't matter. Your choice matters. It's bringing peace in your relationships to one another. It's bringing peace in your home. You know when you do things that are not right, you lose your peace, amen? You know. But when you do what's right, even when people disagree, you have your peace. You know, our righteousness doesn't come from us, it comes from Jesus. But we can still learn to be right now with one another. Let us pray. You know, maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you're not at peace with yourself. Maybe you're battling within yourself. I just want to pray that we'll be at peace. Father, I pray for people in here who are not at peace with themselves. May they know your peace. May they accept that you died for them on the cross. Their sin is on the cross, nailed to the cross for those who believe. I pray that they accept your righteousness, which is the gift of God through believing in Jesus. We pray that righteousness would guard their hearts and their minds and that they would know that they are right with you this morning. May they not battle anymore or fight, fight with you or fight with the world or fight with people. Stop fighting. Be at peace with God. Be at peace with yourself, that you're original, you don't have to be like anybody else. There's one original. There's one of you. So stop trying to be anybody else. Be you. Be at peace. Be at one. And Father, I pray for us as a body, as we go forward together, we'd learn to be at peace with one another. We'd learn to accept and love one another on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Is that okay? First week, one another in. Are you ready for week two? You know, I'm going to start looking at these things. These are a symbol of our gift and our talents. I'm going to look at how you discover. You don't always discover it straight away, but you have to go on a journey of finding what, what you've got and what you can add to God's house and God's kingdom. And I'm going to be looking at that another week and how we can use those gifts to serve one another. Amen?